you're listening to the Cash Valley Insider, conversations with founders, leaders, and creators about why they live, work, and play in Cash Valley, Utah. The Cash Valley Insider is a production of the Cash Valley Chamber of Commerce. Become a chamber member and learn more at cashchamber.com. Welcome. Uh, we are happy today to have, uh, I'm happy today to have as my guest, uh, Troy McLean. Uh, he is the PTAC Regional Manage- Manager for Cash Ridge and Box Elder Counties. And um, uh, welcome, Troy. How are you today? Well, thank you. Thank you, Jamie. I'm good. And thank you for having me here. You're welcome. The first question we usually ask for any of our guests in the podcast is, uh, why do you live and work in Cache Valley? So maybe give me a little background, because I think you're new to this role. Is that right? I am. I've been here for uh, about a year and a half. Okay. I've been in PTAC for about a year and a half, but I'm a I'm an import to the valley. Okay. Uh, I come by a very long road that ended up here. <laughs> so my my family first came here back in the late '80s. I left when my when my mother and father got a divorce. I moved with my father back to New Mexico. Okay. Um, after that, it was uh, about 12 years in the in the army that took me all over. Uh, I came back here uh, after the army. I didn't uh, didn't play well with others. Uh, my family was still here. I still had a, a sister living here, and I came back to get on my feet here and uh, just stayed. I ended up opening some businesses. I launched a uh, a couple successful businesses and uh, became a government contractor uh, in in the interim and sold the businesses. Uh, went back to school. You know, started a, a family here. My my wife and and her family are all all natives, and I have just stayed. Well, good. Yeah, it's a well, great place to great place to stay. It, isn't it? It sucks you in, and then you don't want to leave. Well, I always think it's the most beautiful place in the state of Utah to live, and it it is gorgeous. I I've spent some time in my last job. Um, traveling quite a bit and you know I'd be going to all these fabulous places around the world and then I would come back and say well this is pretty fabulous right. <laughs> we we kind of forget how great it is here don't we yeah we do we do and that's that's one thing that's that's really kept us here is we've had opportunities to go other places and I've, and I've lived you know I've, I've been been around the block a bit yeah and man there's no reason to leave I don't want to leave. It's it's a great place for the kids, and you know, and we we've got little Neanderthals anyway, you know, <laughs> so they 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 need to be where they can run around barefoot and spread their wings a little. Yeah, it's sure it's sure nice. It is. So when you mentioned, um, you know, that you were um, in the military mm-hmm. uh, and a government contractor. That ties in with your role now, correct? It does. It does. So let's start with you telling people, because not not everyone knows what is PTAC, what does that stand for, and uh, give us a little background on what what that is. So PTAC stands for Procurement Technical Assistance Centers. So there are eight in the state. I'm I'm one of eight, and we are a dual funded program. The majority of our funds, majority of our funding comes from the Department of Defense and the Undersecretary of, of the Department of Defense, the Office of the Undersecretary of the Department of Defense. And the rest of our funding comes from the state. 
So most of the PTAC offices are going to be situated with a institution of higher learning. So USU has a PTAC down south. They, they host the PTAC in, in uh, uh, Carbon County and I'm assigned to uh, Bridgeland. So we're, we're, we're all assigned to, a, to a, a university or a college or a campus. And PTAC started, uh, it's, it's, got a, it's got a long, a long history, but the, the most important part of it came about in the uh, 90s when uh, the Small Business Initiative was passed in Congress trying to break up the, the big business monopoly of Department of Defense contracting. Oh. We had all these big names that were sucking all the money out of the contracting, uh, the, the marketplace in government contracting. And the little guy wasn't getting, didn't have a chance. So there are now set, what we call set-asides, which is money put aside specifically for small businesses to get into, into contracting. So take, for instance, a, uh, a, a government, uh, a Department of Defense contract, because this is, this is the bulk of my, of my focus. It's well, I'd say about 50% of my focus. Well, unless, unless my boss is listening to this, then it's 90% of my focus. <laughs> but it's about 50% of my focus that, uh, you know, if, if, a, if, a, if a Department of Defense contract comes out that doesn't require, you know, something huge like, like procurement of, new helicopters, if it's just a navigational device, then they can set aside the funds for that procurement for a small business entity to, to get first dibs. Then if, if they can't get the small businesses uh, to either participate in the, in, the, in the process or nobody is capable of doing it, then they open it up for larger solicitation and then the big businesses get opportunity. So it's much like set-asides for, say, women-owned, veteran-owned, um, 8A, uh, in any of these businesses, they're small business set-aside. So that's how, that's what PTAC, that's, that's, that's where PTAC really, really stepped up in the game in the history, is they were, the, the, the PTAC regional managers were already integrated into the community. They should know their businesses. And they could help the small businesses now that now that the money was on the table. They could help the small businesses get into the contracting realm and teach them the ins and outs. You know, counsel them on on how to uh, how to how to create a, a a presentation. You know, something as simple as that, or how to put together an effective uh, uh, capability statement. A lot of us are tied in to you know and joined at the hip so to speak, with economic development and, right. and small business and, and other small business resources. And so we, we can counsel on well, through, through our partners and, and, and individually, we can counsel on just simple business development, you know, business practices, sensible business practices to get into the government marketplace. That's so. Yes. That's probably why you're located at Bridgerland Technical College in the Entrepreneur Center. That's exactly right. So you could also counsel small businesses, help them, help them get started, and then the process to get a government contract mm -hmm. is 
a little complicated, like most things with government. <laughs> it, it reeks of the bureaucracy. Okay. So right. we'll, we'll put it out there the way it is. Well, that's really, it's, I, when I first heard about this program, which um, I, I wasn't familiar with it until I, I'm pretty sure until I came to the chamber, mm -hmm. but you know, it is a, it's an obvious partnership chambers are really there for the small business um you know business community on a whole but the majority of our business our membership are smaller businesses mm -hmm. so um this is why we're interviewing you today yeah. <laughs> so that our our uh, members can see this great great asset that they have to help them tell I'd like I'd like to you to tell me about a couple of things a little more about the process, but maybe before we go to the process, let's talk a little bit about the Entrepreneurship Center. Okay. And I know it's recently, you know, I mean, it's been evolving, it's been growing, and uh, you and Mark Alexander, and I don't even know who else is down there, but you've got some other employees. Yeah, and others. so, well, you just tell us a little bit about the Entrepreneur Center first, okay. and then uh, I'd like you to talk about the process a little okay. bit briefly. You know, yeah. we don't need to go right. into too much detail. But... Reader's Digest version. Yeah. Okay, yes. perfect. Uh, well, the Entrepreneurship Center, as, as you mentioned, Mark Alexander heads that. He falls under the, the, the oversight of uh, Troy Christensen, and we, they, I say we, they, I don't know if you, I'm sure, I'm sure you know this, but your, your listeners probably aren't aware of this. They just assumed ownership of the, just purchased the building to the south of the Western campus, of the West Bridgeland campus. And that is going to be the incubation hub. That's going to be the business hub for the entrepreneurship center. So for, for folks out there listening mm -hmm. and local people, the building that used to house Herf Jones. Herf Jones. Yes. yes. So Yes. That's a pretty good sized building. That is a monster of a <laughs> building. Uh, so that 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 tells you where this center is going. That's the thirty thousand foot view. Maybe in two to five years, it's going it's going to be it's going to be a a big a big resource. Uh, it already is. But uh, right now we're still in the West Campus, and uh, Mark has a series of of incubation offices so for new new startups who can't afford a brick and mortar office somewhere we can't work from home that doesn't that doesn't yeah. work like it did you know in, in family circus yeah. um, so this is a place where they can rent or share a office space so they have a, a, a physical address and they have a dedicated work environment or workspace but he also has the innovation lab so the innovation lab is for is really designed for, from my perspective, for the for the innovators. You know, as the as, as the name implies out there, that they have three D printers, they have a circuit board center, they have industrial sewing machines, they have Glowforge laser etcher, all sorts of stuff. So you can come in and make signage. You can produce. Your 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 initial product, you know, for, for for research and development, huge opportunities, and a photo lab. Yeah, professional photo, photo professional to, photo lab to to photograph uh, your products, mm -hmm. right? The products, um, employees, employees, professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 photography and videography lab. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's amazing. Walmart and there right are there. and there are people there. Are there people there to help? There are. Emails, we we right? have a we have a part time employee who runs the innovation lab, and he's there to to train people on the the tools that they have, or if it's something that you know because we all we don't want to necessarily we all don't want to necessarily devote the the, the time and the and the brain power into learning how to run a 3D printer. He's a professional at it. Yeah. So he can yeah. he can he can take the files and edit yeah. them and and help you produce whatever it is that you're yeah. looking to produce. So that there's you know Mark is really working to cut out um, the excuses. There's no excuse <laughs> for people not to be able to do this. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. And okay. So that's the innovation great. center. Great. Yeah. Great. So if somebody has a great idea mm-hmm. and they think, I mean, I don't. I'm not even sure where do you go. So give give us an idea. Maybe maybe do you have an example of somebody who's come to you? You don't have to tell okay. us the details, but okay. just to get an idea of products and services that are eligible for these government contracts. Because I'm not okay. sure people really know what's out there. Well, the, Does it have to be parts for a helicopter or no? Or the, no, that's that's actually that's yeah. actually the small. That's that's <laughs> the, the, those may be the large purchases, the big yeah. dollar purchases, but that's the that's the small product. Um, no, the government marketplace is all encompassing. Right there is there is nothing that the U.S. government doesn't buy. Okay. The restrictions that they have though is that they have to buy. U.S. made or, or, oh, or you know, yeah. certain items can be procured out of country, but the bulk of the of the assembly assembly has to be done here. It has to originate. And there are certain things that, you know, they can't buy software from China. You know, yeah. it's national security. Right. So there, there are there are things that, that, that they can't get from overseas that uh, they're bound by law to to get from here. But, man, it's um, they are they're they're the largest. That's the largest marketplace in the world, in, in absolutely in the world, is the U.S. federal government. But we also work with state and local governments. So, you know, if 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 Logan City is looking for somebody to to do paving, oh, yeah. they can come to my office and I can put it out to my clients. Oh. If Cache County is looking for a somebody to do tree work, they can come to my office. And I'll put it out to my clients because I I have arboriculture clients. Okay, so have you have a list of clients. I do. And is there somewhere where you can see uh, what the demand or what the needs are of? So what the, would I? The, I'm sorry. So, what would you call that? What do you call that? Well, so the on the federal government scheme, on the federal government side of of, of my of my job, my clients have to be enrolled in the SAM database it's system for awards management okay so they have to get into sam which is a a lengthy kind of time consuming very aggravating process it okay. is it is mired in super redundancy and okay. it, it 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 it's painful it, I personally you know and i and i deal with it every single day personally if i were if i were to have my own business Going through this again, I would rather self-perform oral surgery. But that's 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 why there are so many organizations out there that are willing to take your money in order mm-hmm. to enroll you, Sam. But there's no sense in doing that when PTAC, you've already paid for PTAC through your through your uh your 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 taxes. 
it's and we're here to help. service. So you know, I won't enroll you. I won't take all your information and enroll you myself. But, but I will take you through the processes, and I will like I like I love to tell my clients, man, I'll write it in third grade in crayon so that we all understand it yeah. because it's written in bureaucratic lingo, and yeah. it's and it's difficult, you know, it's it's regulatory lingo. But uh, so once they're in SAM, then I can assign a client, a, a business, I can assign them keywords. And, you know, we pick out a NAICS code, which is a, a industry identifier code. You know, if they're working in construction, they don't want to be getting they don't want to be getting notices for uh, solicitations or requested proposals for paving or uh, electricians. You know, they, mm-hmm. they want they want if they're if they're a general contractor, that's what they want to receive. And then they will find their subs or what have you. Okay. Um, so they we have to assign a NAICS code to them. Okay. We have to be kind of like a. Uh, a cataloging system right you know yeah. and then my program siphons off all of the new solicitations every single day that fit that NAICS codes those NAICS codes and responds to the keywords that we assign and they and then my program sends those solicitations uh directly to my client okay. get them in their email so, so there isn't open them up like, every single day. there isn't like a giant like you would a job board or something. No. You there's not a giant one where you could scroll through and see. Well, there is, but there it's is. it's it must be enormous. It is it is <laughs> it is astronomical. It okay. is it, it it's it's so large that you can't manage it without technology. The technology it, and the program. The programs have that to be you there. you know yeah. that P Tech like, is designed to help do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so we. So what what I do is I walk people through the SAM process uh, and I counsel them on what it takes to be, to get into the government marketplace. I mean, are they even is it even feasible for them? Because responding to solicitations takes a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time. You got to you got to write these up in a, in in very specific format. That um, you know these large contractors they have entire teams dedicated to that. Okay and. For these small guys, you know, owner operators, like when I when I started contracting, I had to write my own my own proposals and respond to the solicitations myself. So I'm I'm sitting up at two o'clock in the morning filling out these these solicitations, and then I got to get my crew on the road at six o'clock so we can be working by seven. And it was you know it's it, it's extremely difficult and it's very arduous. And and so part of my counseling is you know we do a we do what I I. I call a no BS assessment. Is this really something you can dedicate your resources to? Right. And and does it pay off? And yeah, it, 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 it can start. pay off. Okay, it can pay off. Yeah. It, it can be extremely lucrative, but it's not low hanging. Okay. It, it it is it absolutely is not low hanging. You have to work for this, and you have to perform very diligence. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so so to give you an example, in 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 my experience. Uh, I started an arboriculture company. I was an arborist. I, I had a tree service. Oh, yeah. And I got into government contracting by way of contracting to Department of Veteran Affairs for VA cemeteries. Oh. So every every headstone in a VA cemetery is a national monument. It's been it's been assigned as such by Congress. It's been read on the floor of Congress. And so once it's in place, it cannot be moved. So if a tree guy drops a limb and it hits a headstone and knocks it over or breaks it, then it has to stay there and they erect a new one. So it's 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 a headache. It's yeah. it's a process. Okay. So the VA cemeteries are very particular about whom they will choose to do work there. And well, we I designed a scaffolding system that protected all of the headstones below our work area. And so that's what I sold. 
Okay. So not only were we were we extremely competent at what we did, but we could protect the, the headstones. So the VA cemeteries were willing to pay more money for me to come in and bring my scaffolding system in so that we could afford to have uh, subcontractors come in from whatever economy we were at, whatever state we were in, have them come in to do the cleanup. So my guys and I, we would travel with climbing gear and chainsaws and... Then our scaffolding system loaded on on our flatbed trailers. We get to say Black Hills, South Dakota, to work on their cemetery. We erect the scaffolding, we do all the tree work, and then we had subcontractors come in from the local uh, off the local economy. They would come in and do all the cleanup for us. Uh, so you have to be positioned to one offer something that that the government truly needs, mm-hmm. not just another guy selling another number two pencil. Yeah, it really needs to be something that the government needs. And supply in demand, you know. So working at a VA cemetery, we didn't ha- we didn't know when the when the when the uh, the funerals were going to happen, when the interments were going to happen. So we could be stopped, you know, mid mid stroke yeah. on a on a on a on a on a tree limb. We could be they could come out and give us the, yeah. the time out, and then we've got three hours that we can't run any equipment because yeah, you know, the funeral. Sure. And then they could be stacking up on one another. You know, there mm-hmm. there was there, there's, there's not a lot of, of communication there. So I had to be able to bid in anticipation of that. So you have to you have to learn that market. You have to understand that market. So we and I I walk my clients through very extensive market research. Uh-huh. We find out the market okay. and what are the requirements and what are the bids that have been generally coming in. What is the government typically paid for this particular product or service? Take for instance one of my one of my clients is a is an engineering firm, an engineering and manufacturing firm, and for their very first uh, very first contract, they they got a, notified of, of of a bid that was coming up at Hill Air Force Base, and so they reached out to the uh, the contracting officer and they got all the information on it. They got past solicitations and, and awards. They knew what people what the government was paying for it, and then he came back to me and he says, he says, Troy is, you know, I can do it for so much less. They only need 1500 and you know, it's, it's going to cost me X number of dollars to, to, to build these. Why are they spending X times seven? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not the old theory that this is why the government pays $5,000 for a hammer and $3,000 for a toilet seat. It's not that anymore. It's well, when we read through the solicitation, they had to warranty this particular item for two years. Ah. Then when we reached out to the flight line who would be using this, they broke them. They broke this item on average every seven months. Uh, oh. So he's got, now you can see. so now we okay. see why. So it's not about just throwing it out there thinking that it's a one-time purchase. Well, now you have to have reserves because he had to bring in, he had to bring in uh, subs to do some parts of it. So now instead of making 1600, we got to make 5,000. You don't know what that yeah. is. So yeah, now that that's why sense. it's yeah. X times seven. And we can only find that through very diligent market research. Yeah. You got to understand the market. And that's what we do. That's It's fascinating. And and um, I think it's really a great service that you do that I don't think most, most, most people have no idea. No. So if a business thinks that they might have a product or a service, mm-hmm. they should come to you. Absolutely. If somebody is just an entrepreneur and they want to see what kinds of things are available, 
for them to do? Is that also an option? I mean, what if somebody doesn't really know? Is it more focused for people who already have a service and a product design? It is. Okay. It is because, and, and I counsel my clients on this pretty regularly, don't go into business and expecting to do business with the government first because it's going to take us okay. anywhere between so that 60 can't days be your original no, your original no, business idea can't no, be oh let's no. let's see what the government needs and i'm going to build it yeah. it's, so, it's not like, the right right yeah. path like okay. like like with like with my 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 arboriculture company i i got a rolodex of clients i trained my crew we were we were making money in 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 cash and box elder and, and weaver and davis counties before i ever started pursuing federal contract and that was because i was a a, a, a service disabled vet so my my business was registered as such and i was thinking of doing business responding to to a solicitation to do business with the uh with the va hospital in salt lake since we, yeah. you know i had a crew so close we could go there to do that well i bid on that job I got that job. I left a lot of money on the table because I didn't do market research. I didn't understand what the the potential was. Uh, I walked away feeling satisfied, but it, it didn't it didn't net what it should have. And the contracting officer there pulled me aside and says, you know, before you do this again, why don't you get with somebody to learn how to do it properly? I don't want to see you go under because you're you're, you're trying to do these 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 contracts at distance, you know. I put the money out. I, I I paid for this. I got this done, but it was still 180 days before I got paid. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's an extreme. Most of them are 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 net 60, net 90, but I was net 180, and it was in my contract. And 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 I, but I didn't I didn't know how to read a contract and 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 understand that. So I'm spending all this money to have my crew work at the VA hospital for the 11 days that we were there, and. I got to carry that debt for 180 yeah, days. You have to pay for yeah. the upfront expenses and your employees. Absolutely. But had they, so, had you worked with the PTAC officer? Had I worked with PTAC, I would have I would have I would have either stayed away from that contract because truthfully, in in in, in you know, be absolutely honest, I wasn't positioned to probably do that that contract. Um, but I did, and we did it successfully, and I got a. a a rave review on it. And that's what really catapulted me into working with VA cemeteries. But I was able to do market research and understand and 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 I went to a uh, I went to a conference for uh contracting officers and I let them know who I am and what I am. So you know the first contracting officer I walked up to he says ah well I work on you know I I mostly buy I don't even recall what it was maybe like heavy equipment or something like that. And, and he says, but you need to go talk to this lady over here. I know her. And, and that's where I got in. So I went and I talked to to contracting officers and I said, what is your biggest uh, complaint? What is, what is it that, that the contractors are not providing? And hers was, they don't understand the, the importance of these headstones. They don't protect the headstones. Oh, and so we're really reticent to have somebody come work because we end up with cracked headstones. And you know, and, and this process, and it's it's timely, it's 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 resource consuming, and the family doesn't want to come back out to dedicate a new headstone. But these are things that have to be done. She says, so if you found somebody who could protect the headstones, well, they're all all these headstones are uniform. They're all this, they're they're pretty much all the same size and same shape. You know, you got you got four different headstones to choose from. So we 
came home and engineered scaffolding system, drove to uh, to Black Hills and tried it over a headstone. And 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 the uh, contracting officer says, well, you know, since you're here, why don't you walk around with me and let's talk about some of these trees because I need work done. So I got to do I got to give input on the contract. I walked around and, and as an arborist, I says, yeah, this tree needs work and this needs done. And this. So he wrote the contract around that. Then I bid on the contract, and then I was awarded the contract. And I was I wasn't even the low bidder. You know, the the my nearest competitor. I was one hundred twenty five percent of what my nearest competitor was because we're paying for the system and the time. But I I walked through with him, and there's no reason. He now understands that there's no re no reason for I say he she. There's no reason uh, that the, the the technical uh, officer was the one that I dealt with the most. I was I was a gentleman, but she understood. There's no reason why I can't complete the contract. I understand the demands on time. That there may be two days a week where we have two or three interruptions. We got to protect the headstones. Uh, I have to have stuff removed almost immediately. So you know we had a little staging area where we could put our brush and debris, but it had to be gone before the end of the business day. So I've got to find a local contractor who's willing to do this for me. I understood the market. I understood the needs of my client better than anybody else did. And so I got the contract. And this time it was and successful. This, and it was it was it was it was wildly successful. I mean we went from there to to uh Fort Leonard Wood and 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 man we did we did contracts all over all over the 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 Midwest and, and eastern seaboard you know a grundle contract but it was because we understood the market. Yeah. And we got in with the contracting officers to understand their needs. It's not just another tree job. It's a very specific need. And that's what the government has is a very specific needs. You have to learn to read the, the solicitation and understand the very specific needs. Just like my, my client, the engineering firm, we went back and read the solicitation and it's, they got to be warranted. Well, what's the failure rate on this? It's something that's not even mentioned. Right. What's the failure rate? How yeah. often do they break? So let's find out what aircraft is going on and let's go talk to the flight line. How often do these things break? Do you carry multiples because they break in flight or, or overseas yeah. when you can't? How do you do this? What happens here? Well, yeah, they're, 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 it's a redundant system, but they break on average every seven months. We've got to order replacement every seven months. So one of the two is going to break. So it's understanding the needs of the client. Sure. And but that's that's broad scope. We also have in the government marketplace, we have like GSA, which is essentially the government's super mall. So if you provide number two pencils to GSA, you have to supply X number every so many days or every month or what have you. It's a recurring purchase. You have to do this supply. We also work with organizations that supply to AFEs, which are the, the chow halls and the uh, grocery the store. grocery stores and and the mini marts, yeah, they have and procurement needs. So it's understanding the very specific needs of the very specific client that's working within the government. You know, what agency are you supplying to? I have a, I have a con contractor, a client who supplies. He does background checks for the FBI. He, so he's a he's a he's a contractor in 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 a completely different arena. Wow. And but he, we were able to get him there because he has a history with the FBI and he has investigative history and he has all this. And we, we were able to get him a, 
a renewed background investigation. So he, came, he got his security clearance returned. We had to find a sponsor to do that because he couldn't afford the hundred something thousand dollars to do his background check. So we found a sponsor to do that. And, and these are the these are the things that we worked wow. through to get him in service. But he already had a business that, he, that could support him while he was pursuing this. Okay. So to get back to your original question, we're going to make big circle here. We're coming, coming 360 degrees. We're all going all the way back around. No, you don't go into business to do business with the government unless you have a guaranteed purchase agreement, which is not going to happen. Right. So, so another question I have then is, so once you do, once you've got a contract like you and your personal experience, you learned, Mm -hmm. then you did a better job, but then are there ongoing? I mean, how... I mean, once you're kind of in the system, you're kind of in the system. Is it is that how it works? Ish. Ish. Okay. Ish. If you make a bad impression, you're in the system indefinitely because somebody's going to flag you and nobody's ever going to do business with you again. Right. If you do a good job, then they will say, okay, here's your gold star. Go home. Don't call us. We'll call you. Uh, it's all about networking it's about networking you have to know these contracts if if you think about building a home if you're going to build a home you want to meet personally with your contractor you want to sit across the table from them and you want to speak to your contractor personally this contracting officer has a lot on the line taking on a new contractor i see so if you want to get into the system you've got to know the people it's about networking Okay. And then just like just like any marketer, when you're done and they say, I really appreciate what you did for me, you say, can you introduce me to five of your colleagues who contract for the same thing? Okay. You know, become a name. You got to have a name, a face with the name, and it's got to be one that they know. Then they keep coming back to you. And then you end up like I did. It, 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 was, it was purely by chance when I was in Black Hills. I'm looking for a way to protect these headstones. And I didn't know that he was looking for a contractor. He says, well, this is the guy who let's walk this contract together. And you tell me what I need to do because I'm not a tree guy. He's, he was saying, you know, he's yeah. the contracting officers rarely come from the environment that they're purchasing for. Are they active duty military? No, uh, some, some are, some are, okay. some are, and some are uh, civilian employed and some are active duty military. But you know, they're procuring their needs for their 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 job is procurement yeah. in general. They know the regulations. If if you if you, if you really break it down, the government cannot regulate you as a contractor. All the regulations apply to the government. The government has to avoid breaking its own laws. Oh, yeah. So sure. then they pass those regulations down to you by telling you these are the things you should do so that we don't get in trouble. Right. If you get us in trouble, you get in trouble. By way yeah. of perjury, yeah, or or, or whatever you know, yeah. you you said that yes, nothing comes from China, but then we find out that everything comes from China. You perjured yourself. That's how. That's the the policing yeah. system. So, and there's a bunch of employment laws around that too, yeah, because that's absolutely. that's where I come from in my background, and and so you know the the laws are are, are more strict mm-hmm. if you're a government contractor. Absolutely. So absolutely. you've got to follow those. Yep. those rules and laws around your employees and and they have to worry they set those rules so that makes sense what yep. you said that's interesting yeah. yeah so so the the procurement officer is not a is very rarely going to be a subject matter expert on what they're procuring okay their expertise is in procurement okay. they understand the regulations okay they know how to write a write a, a solicitation so that the government's not breaking the laws 
They know how to oversee a, a project so that the government's not breaking the laws, which a lot of those laws are, those are monetary laws. You know, if, if the money has been allocated to be spent in this fiscal year, it has to be spent in this fiscal year. Otherwise, it has to go through a reallocation process and they have to ask for it again. If you're, if you're coming into a contract in July and their fiscal year ends in October and the money has to be spent by October, you better be finished. So they don't want, you know, the, 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 yeah. the contracting officer knows what these deadlines are like. They, they, have, they have the forward-looking telescope. They're able to, to know what they need to do and by particular dates. So they're going to write that in the solicitation. Well, then if you come into it and, you, and, and all of a sudden you have reasons why you need an extension or you've got to renegotiate the contract or what have you, that gets the, gov- that gets the contracting officer trouble. Now he's put behind the eight ball. So government contractors, the, the, the contracting officers, they're very keen on knowing who you are and having a relationship with you and understanding your past experience so that they can essentially place all their bets on you. That's what it comes down to is they're betting on you to do the job properly and timely and et cetera, and follow the law follow the rules so that's the purpose of networking is if you can do it yeah. if you can do it if you if, if, if you are very good at what you do if you're very good at what you uh, what you the service or product that you that you provide and you can do it within the, these time constraints then you need to network with the contracting officers so that they understand who you are so that you know they you get in their speed dial who would have thought that it's all about relationships even with the yeah but with the government but of course yeah. it is because we're all people we're all people you're ultimately doing business with with other people. with other people. Yeah. So, are the contracts typically have to be renewed every single year, mm. or once you get a contract, is there ever on? Are there ever ongoing contracts? Yeah, there are ongoing contracts. There's revolving contracts. There's I have clients who have five year contracts. Okay. That this stuff is paid out. Okay. You know, every year over the course of X number of years, over five years, they may be supplying something every 30 days that they get to invoice. And then the contract renews at at the end of the year. And those contracts, contracts are, are, man, they're, they're as, they're as varied, they're almost as varied as the jobs because it can be a one-time contract. Like take, for instance, doing trees. Okay. It's a one-time contract. You come in and you do this. The, the contracting officer has $190,000 in his budget for grounds maintenance. Mm-hmm. You fall under grounds maintenance. Your bid comes in at, at $100,000, then he can pay you. If your bid comes in at $200,000, you're not within budget. So it, he can't pay you for this. So he may break up the contract over two years. You know, you're yeah. going to do it again next year, what have you. But it's, it's going to typically be a one-time contract because that tree is not going to grow the same. You're not going to have the same problem next time. Okay. Right. Take, for instance, the, the firm that I was talking about here, the strap that, that built the straps for Air Force procurement. This is a one time contract, but when they fulfill it and they have no excuses and they they're, they're reliable and they're able to to warranty these these items and so they, they've got a stockpile that they're able to send them. They're not telling the Air Force you got to ground this plane because it's missing one twenty five dollar strap. You know, it's. And then it's easy for them to kind of come back to that same. Then they're going to come back and say, yeah, we we like your project product. Yeah. We know you've got some warranty. Okay. That's great. Then then that's when you get into the negotiations of future contract. When when you say, okay, costs, you know, you've got to add incremental costs for inflation, et cetera, but costs are going to go up three and a half percent next year. Let's start writing the procurement for that now. Let's Let's start writing the solicitation for that now. Let's just start figuring this stuff out now. 
And then the contracting officer, that's where you develop that, that relationship. So that's another type of contract you can have is, is it'll be one time, but if you're a good supplier, that contracting officer, that CEO is going to come back to you. You may have revolving contracts like, like the one I mentioned, whereas over the course of X number of years or X number of months, you can have renewals. You know, the contract can be up for renewal. If you're doing grounds maintenance, if you're, if you're mowing lawns for a federal building, that's not going to be a one-time contract. They're not right. going to pay you at the end of 30 days and then have, yeah. and then have you bid again. Yeah. So every year it can be renewed. Okay. If, you're, if you've done a good job, they don't want to put it back out for solicitation. They know what they're going to be paying. So they'll just renew the, the contract with you. But they don't want to hold you over for 10 years. They don't want to guarantee a contract for 10 years if in the first year you prove that you can't do the job. So they're, they're, yeah, it's as varied as the job. Sure. Just like, just like business. Yes. Yeah, long way so if, if we've got um, somebody out there listening to this podcast who has a business, uh-huh. um, do they have to be a student at Bridgerland Tech? Do they have to... What are the qualifications and can they come and how do they reach you? So okay. maybe maybe so, let's wrap up with that. Perfect. Well, if I haven't confused them enough, <laughs> if government contracting is is a market that one of these local businesses, you know, any, you know, for my three three counties here, but anybody listening can get a hold of me and I can point you to your PTAC manager. Okay. All right. I don't I don't want to I don't want to leave anybody hanging out in the in the breeze. Okay. Anybody can contact me and I'll get up and I'll put them in touch with their appropriate PTAC manager. But if you want to get into, into government contracting, then the very first thing to do is do a self-assessment of, do I actually have something that I can offer? If you're a daycare provider, in-home daycare provider, you probably can't offer a service to the government. Right. If you're running a beauty salon, it's probably not a service for the government. Right. Right. They do buy these things, but if you're not right off post or if you're not already connected you're not going to get the job right so do a self-assessment is this something that i can truly see the government purchasing okay and then come in and speak to me Uh, and and we'll get through the process we'll do the intake uh interview where you know i can i can put i can kind of put a a a know-all eye on it and see if it's something that the government buys here because it's it's one thing for the government to buy it here and it's another thing for it to buy it in alabama you're not in Alabama. Right. And so you've got costs incurred. Right. So let's really evaluate the market. Uh, then how to get a hold of me is the easiest thing to do is just email me. Okay. T McLean. That's that's T for Troy, T M C C L A I N at uh, btech.edu. All right. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Okay. They can also find us online. Uh, they, if they were just to to Google Utah PTAC, it'll open up, it'll open up the Utah PTAC website. Uh, that's that's part of the uh, uh, Go Utah bundle, and they can they can yeah. locate me through that. Okay. Or their so PTAC. PTAC is P T A C. PTAC, mm-hmm. and you can Google or you can reach Troy McLean at yeah. T McLean at BTEC.edu yeah. and. Um, he will help you get started yeah. with a what may be potentially a really lucrative uh, contract or help your business. Yeah. I think that's terrific. I've really appreciated your time, Troy. Thank you, um, thank you for coming uh, and meeting with me today and yeah. being a guest on our podcast. It's been a pleasure. Um, it's, I think, so informative. So I would encourage any of our members, any business in the area or he- anyone who hears this, 
If you think that you might need or might want to do something with the government, contact Troy. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Troy. I appreciate you. All right.